Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. We're going to go ahead and jump straight into our new series, Long Days, Short Years, and How to Make Them Count. How many of you know that, that time is our most precious commodity, right? And we say it all the time, people are like, time is money, time is money, right? And, and, and sure, and in a lot of cases, it is, in fact, you go, if I'm not working, I'm not making money, and I'm not using this time, you just kind of thing. I have a friend of mine, he pastors a, another church, but his wife is, is a doctor, and, and she works from home, and she does this online kind of thing where she sees patients through essentially like Skype calls and stuff of that nature. And I ask him, hey, do y'all ever, y'all take a lot of time off and all this kind of stuff? And he says, no, because if, if she was, so we were at this thing this past week and I was like, did your wife come? He said, no, because if she comes down with me for three days, that is a lot of money out of our pocket just because she wanted to take a few days off. And so he's like, I'm pastoring a church, you know, she makes all the money. Let's be real. You know, that kind of thing. And so, so she's like, I can't do that because time is money. So time is our most precious commodity and, and we, we have to use it wisely. Time is one of those things that, that you can try to invest in, but you cannot return, get a return of more time, right? With money, you invest your money and do those kind of things in hopes of seeing a greater return. But with time, it doesn't work in that way. Sure, there are things you can do with your time to maybe prolong your life or give you a healthier life. But at the end of the day, we don't have a say as to when it's over for us. So at the end of the day, maybe we can be healthy and we can be strong and, and fit and possibly live for a long time. But at the end of the day, ultimately God determines the end of our life in the moment. You may be as fit as possible, but you're not stronger than a bus. And if you get hit by a bus, it's over, right? That's just to put a damper on the mood. Like, oh, thank you. I'm gonna quit working out then. You know, I don't know. I just, just, but, but time is not something that you receive a return on in the sense of more time. It's like, hey, I invested three hours today. I get six extra hours tomorrow. It doesn't work in that way. That would be the weirdest thing in the world because you'd have people at different days and times because somebody invests. Well, anyways, it just doesn't work that way. Time is precious. Time, time is, is something that, that you can never get back. You, you, can't, you can't purchase more time. You can't hope for more time. But time in the end is something that you, you use and it's gone. So we look and we go, okay, am I using my time effectively? Am I using my time wisely? Am I going to get the greatest results out of my time spent? And what we find is that when it comes to having children and as you get older in life, how many of you say with or without children, it's as if your days have gotten longer and the years have gotten shorter? I know I remember as a child asking my dad, dad, when you get older, does time go faster? Because I remember probably being in about fourth grade and thinking the school year lasts forever, and I am ready to be done with this. This is taking way too long. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it kind of does. Time just speeds up, but the days seem longer. And I remember having that conversation with him and thinking, that doesn't make any sense, dad. That doesn't make any sense at all. He's like, well, you know, and then you get there and you go, man, dad, that makes perfect sense. That makes complete and perfect sense now. So we see that. Our days seem like they last forever, and then we look up, and it's three years later, and you go, what in the world has happened, and how do we use this time effectively? So we're talking over these next few weeks about long days and short years. The reality is, in today's culture, you only spend about three hours a week at church. That's if 
uh, you're involved in serving and you're coming early and things of that nature. And, and then if you add in a connection group, you can bump that to about four hours a week total time spent in church. And, and so what we see is that when it comes to, to, to us as, as, as believers and those growing in our faith and also raising children so that they too learn to know the Father is that the majority of our time is spent outside of the walls of the church. Therefore, what we do outside of the church is probably far more important than how we spend our time within the church. Now, there is importance in what takes place in the church. I'm not trying to diminish or take away from that in the least bit, but what I'm saying is there is more time and more precious time, more valuable time that can be used to cultivate and to build up our Christian faith and help to, to pass it on then to the next generation. Time is precious. So this means if you have children that the majority of what they're going to learn about faith, what they're going to learn about Jesus and Christianity is going to come from what they see you do. From what they experience, from what they watch. Now I had the privilege of growing up in a pastor's home and, and, and having a father who truly lived out his faith all of the time. There was never a moment where my dad took time off from his faith, right? I had the privilege of seeing him live as a man of God and seeing my mom live as a woman of God and, and had the privilege of watching them grow in, in their walk with the Lord over the years and see to see where they are now, where to me, I look at them and they are spiritual pillars that I, I, I can lean on and know that I can run to because they are rock solid and they are deep in their faith and their understanding. And I was privileged enough to watch that growing up. I think for some of us, it's easy to stop and go, okay, have I missed moments? Has there been moments in time throughout the, the, the raising of children, whatever it may be, have there been moments in, in my life in growing that I have missed out? Have I done things? Have I added things? Have I removed things? Are there things that I have missed out on in my walk with the Lord? And sometimes I think even when it comes to raising my children, I go, okay, were there things that I should have started when I was younger before I had children? Were there things that I should have dealt with when I was younger before I had children? Were there things that I should have cleaned up, excuse me, and, and removed before I had children so that at this point I could be further along in me doing a better job raising my children to know Jesus? Now we can play that game all of the time, but, but the reality is we can't go back and change how things were or what we did, but what we can do is take the time now and focus moving forward to say, okay, what do I need to be to do? What do I need to do to become the best man or woman of God that I can be so that the future generation doesn't lose sight or lose the faith and the values and the morals and the things that we have as believers in Christ? We've got 18 to 20 years to do our best to teach our children how to live. Think about that. When you look at it in, in the grand scheme of things, that is not a lot. However, the way things are going now, you may have 30 years before they're out of your house, just to be, just to be an encouragement to you. <laughs> I'm going to make my children find an apartment at 17. No, I'm not doing that either. Uh, today, let's talk about laying the foundation for this series. Let's, 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 let's build something uh, to build, let's lay something to build upon over these next few weeks. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. Now, uh, we're, this is a very, very famous verse, and, and, and it's been quoted a million times, and, and we're going to pull from this text today, but I want to, before we jump into it, I want to talk about what's happening right 
before this verse comes along. Right before this verse happens, we have Joshua and he's speaking to the Israel people. He's speaking to the nation of Israel and he's saying to them, hey, listen up, y'all. Uh, you basically need to let go of the gods of the Egyptians that have been carried on from your, your parents and with the generation that was there. You need to let go of the, God of, uh, the gods of, of those that picked up from just across the Euphrates River. And he said, you need to lay them down and you need to repent. You need to turn back to Jehovah. You need to turn back to God. Uh, and you need to serve the Lord. And so he's saying, this is what you need to be doing. So then he picks up in verse 15, and this is where we're going to be today. And he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, he's saying, if this doesn't sound like anything you want to be a part of, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And he's making a strong statement here. And he's saying that there's options on the table. There are options out there for you. He said, you have to choose today who you are going to serve. So I think there's a significance that we find in this verse alone. The word serve is found four times in verse 15. But if you look from verses 14 through 33, it is used 15 times. So Joshua is making a very strong statement about the idea that we need to be serving the Lord, not just claiming the Lord as our God, not just uh, acknowledging him as God, but we are going to serve the Lord. So the idea of service then implies there is work involved. It implies that, that there is, is action being taken. There, is, there are steps being taken to serve the Lord. I think something we find here is that, that Joshua understood something vital. And this is kind of the big idea today is this, is that who you follow determines where you go. Who you follow determines where you go. If you are following someone somewhere and you're going, who are you following? I'm following that car in front of me. You're going to end up wherever they drive to, right? Hopefully, have you ever been driving and you're following somebody and they are a terrible person to follow? And you're like, hey, thanks a lot. You just ran through that yellow light at the last second and I got stuck. Now you're four lights ahead of me and you took a left somewhere and I don't know where you are. And you go, oh, sorry, right? You go, I can't follow you. I can't keep up with you. You're going crazy. You're driving erratically and, and next thing you know, we're gonna all die, thanks. Uh, so who you follow determines where you go. So if you're following somebody who is easy to follow or, or the leading you, it will help you to get where you're going. So Joshua is saying, listen, I understand that who I follow and who I lead my family to follow will determine the outcome of my family. It's going to determine where my family goes and where my family ends up. So he's saying, choose for yourself today who you're going to serve. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we need to look at that word serve today and fully understand what it is that, 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 that Joshua is trying to push to us and, and, and say to us as he speaks to the, Israel, the nation of Israel, as he speaks to these people. And there's three things that I really want to hone in on as we gain an understanding of what it means to serve God. And that is this, we, we, it means to fear God, to obey God, and to worship God alone. And the first thing I want to talk about is this, to serve God means to fear God. Now, when you first hear the word fear, it, it probably raises some eyebrows and you go, am I supposed to be afraid of God? Am I supposed to be fearing for my life? Am I supposed to be, what is this fear of God you're speaking about? So let's look in, in, in Proverbs 9, 10, and it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And I think it's, it's important to understand what we're talking about here. Now, I'll say this, that if you are living in sin and you are apart from Christ and you are not in Jesus, you have every right to be afraid of God. You have every right to be afraid of God if you are not living with Jesus in your life, if you are not living for Jesus, because we know this and we've said this, that God hates sin, right? He doesn't hate the sinner, God hates sin. And and out of that, there is reason to be afraid of God because ultimately he holds the final judgment. However, we know that if we are in Christ, that if we have Jesus, we do not fear him in the sense of being afraid. We fear him in the sense of awe and reverence and respect of the highest level. In fact, the Hebrew word that we find for fear means holy fear or reverence. And revere is, is a deep respect or admiration. A deep respect or admiration. You see, having this, this, this holy fear is crucial and vital. And so the reason why it's the beginning, of understand, the beginning of wisdom, it's not the end of wisdom. That's not the end all be all that if you have this understanding that you are now wise beyond all years and all belief, you know, nobody's gonna be as wise. No, 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 it's the beginning of wisdom. What he's saying is that, is that when you have the right fear of God and the sense of the right respect and awe of God and the reverence for God, that is what then in turn leads to repentance. And it's in that understanding of having that fear of God that helps you to, to frame the idea that I am in need of a God who can save me from where I'm at. And God is that God. And we keep that fear of God, that reverence of God, that awe of God. And it's this holy fear. Now, speaking about the fear of God sometimes can be a a difficult thing because people go, I'm not afraid of God. And we say, no, 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 no. This isn't a God is ready to smite you and flick you out of, you know, grace and and, and like step on you and squish you. No, that's not what this is. Um, Unless, I'm just kidding. That is a joke. There is no unless. Okay, I'm just throwing it. Okay. But it's the understanding that, that God is God, that he is in control of all things, that he does control the universe. He does hold the world in his hands, right? And that we are, in fact, sinners saved by grace. And it is that understanding and that awe of who God is that we walk in reverence and we walk in respect of the Lord. And we look at him and we view him as such and not as anything less or anything lower than. But my question is, do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? I know that I'm only 34 years old, so I'm not crazy old, but I know that I have seen a shift take place in church culture and in uh, in Christianity in a sense that there is a diminished fear of the Lord that there is a lower respect for God than what used to be. And, and now I'm getting into that like old man status right now where I'm about to start to say, well, back in my day, right? No, but, but where we're at is that there's this understanding that there has been a, a, a slight downplay of the fear of God, a downplay of the respect of the Lord to the fact that, that people treat grace and, and, and treat Jesus as a novelty almost or as a thing to, to pull me out of my bad situation or I turn to God when things aren't going well or I, I turn to the Lord when I'm, and I'm in a bad spot. But, but God is saying, no, 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 I, I am God at all times, in all situations, in all moments. I need your respect and your reverence always so that my heart is in tune with the Lord. As part of serving the Lord, there is that fear and that reverence and that respect for the Lord. Have you ever had a good boss? You worked for somebody who was just wonderful 
they were a great leader and, and they were they were kind and they were caring and they were they were compassionate towards you but when things were out of line they would come and graciously correct and lead you and you were willing to do whatever you had to do for that boss man i had one of those i worked at a little restaurant in saxe texas called country junction what's your function and uh it was just called country junction but we were on the radio one time and we sang that it was great but I worked for, there was a, my boss, her name was Marcy. Marcy was awesome. Like she was just like whatever, you, she would work with anybody scheduling wise. She would do whatever she had to do. She would like, she, was give, she gave me a raise like two or three times. It was fantastic. I don't know what it was, but she loved me. And I was like, man, this is great. But she was an awesome boss. Like she was fantastic. And, and like, if I ever did something wrong or was out of line, she wasn't like, I'm ready to fire you right now. I'm going to, you know, she would like graciously come and say, hey, come talk to me real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point something. I'm going to help you with something. And I was like, oh, okay. And she would graciously direct that and keep me say, okay, this is why we don't do that. Hey, let's not do that this time. For instance, one time we had this new girl start working and this wasn't nice at all. And uh, we told her that we needed to drain all of the hot water out of the coffee maker back in the back. Here's the problem is it was a plumbed in uh, coffee maker. You're not going to run out of hot water. The sucker just keeps going. And she got like four buckets through before our boss realized. And I was graciously corrected in that moment. And she was like, what are you doing? There's a whole lot of other things that can be done. And you have her trying to empty hot water. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. But she was a wonderful boss, right? And so there was this respect in a sense of, hey, I better do what she asked because, well, it could cost me a paycheck in the end, right? But, but there was this, this sense and this understanding that as a good boss, as a good leader, she wasn't ready to, to, to smite me or to crush me, but she was ready to correct me when needed. And, and I respected her greatly and dearly, not to the same level of God, but just the understanding of God is even greater than that. And there is a need for the fear of the Lord in our homes. There's a need for the fear of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. There is this need for understanding that, that God is God. God is God. And, and, and there's nothing greater. There, there is no one who can compare. He is, in fact, ultimately above all things. He is the creator. There is nothing equal to God. And so understanding and this reverence and this awe and this respect for God, we have to maintain that. So the question again is, do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? I think sometimes we, we come to church and we go, well, I'm here. I come to church. I'm here. But, but do we come with our hearts fully invested in what God is trying to do that morning and in that time? I think sometimes we come in distracted and then worship begins and we stay distracted and we leave and we go, wait, what happened today? What did Pastor Ryan talk about? And then you'll probably go, he did tell one joke that was funny, right? And I'll go, great. Then I'm really doing my job, aren't I? You know, you have those kind of, but, but the question, you know, do we fear the Lord? Do we come in and we say, God, I want to bow my heart to you. I want to come in and I want to, to submit to your leading and what you're speaking and what you're saying to be aware of you so that I'm not so confined to the distractions that I brought in with me. And creating those habits of saying, okay, in this time, I am fully submitted to the Lord. I come in with reverence. I come in with respect and say, God, I want to worship you. I want to be connected to you. I want to be committed to you. And understanding the fear of the Lord. It's not a sense of, oh God, I'm afraid of you because I'm afraid you're going to smite me. No, no, no. When you're in Jesus, you're in relationship with him. It's that respect and that awe and that reverence of God. If we fear the Lord, it shows in what we say and what we watch and what we do and how we act because there's this respect for who God is. 
So if we're going to serve the Lord as a, with our homes and in our families, it starts with the fear of the Lord. We have to see that God is, is for us. Yes, he is for us. And out of that, we turn and we say, oh God, I love you deeply. I love you passionately because of what you've done for us. And so from that, I'm going to fully walk in respect and reverence for you. The second thing is this, to serve God means to obey God, to obey God. I have learned in my time that obedience is always the great option. Always is a great option. You know, it, obedience is so good. In fact, uh, in, in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, it says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? And then he says the famous line from this verse, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. God wants our obedience. Remember now in the Old Testament, that obedience would, would have been, uh, or rather sacrifice would have been a, a means of justification, right? It would have been the way they atoned for sin. And so you see that they would lay the, the, the ram on the altar, they'd kill the altar, you know, and they would set it on fire and they'd burn it up and that would be how they paid for their sins, so to speak. It was the shedding of blood that had to be done. And so that was their way of receiving atonement. They would, they, they would kill this thing and, and, and and Samuel's right, and he's saying, listen, you know, what the, you know what God would love even greater than this? For you to not have to make a sacrifice. He would love it even greater if you would just walk in obedience. Whoa, that's kind of a crazy thought, right? He's saying, if, if you didn't even have to make the sacrifice, that is better than any sacrifice you could ever give. The need to not, to ha- you know, to have to not make a sacrifice. Does that make any sense at all? I'm trying to figure that out. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. Right? There's no, you see, if there's no need for the sacrifice, the obedience to God is even greater than that. And I wonder sometimes how many times in our homes is there's this conflict and this struggle where these children are hearing one thing at church or they're seeing you know, one thing at home and they're going, this is not what I'm seeing, this is not what I'm experiencing. And God is saying, I want you to be obedient at all times and all moments and all things to serve the Lord, to say, I surrender to you, meaning I am beneath you, I am subject to you. You are my master, you are my leader. I'm gonna walk in obedience to you. That is what serving the Lord is. He's saying, I, I don't want you to just uh, be willing to repent when you fall. He said, I want you to strive to live in such a way that there's no need for repentance. There's no need for the sacrifice. There's no need for, for saying, oh God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. He's saying, no, live a life of obedience. Live a life of obedience. I remember being in sixth grade and, and learning. Uh, this is something I probably should have already learned by sixth grade. But nonetheless, learning that obedience is far better than disobedience, right? I would say by sixth grade, I knew not to try to set things on fire, right? Probably somewhere around third or fourth grade, I learned, you know, don't set things on fire. Uh, Maybe even before that, I I could probably ask my first grader right now, like, hey boss, do we set things on fire? He'd probably go, no, right? Here I am in sixth grade, fast forward a few years from from first grade, I'm in sixth grade. And, um, and I had a friend named, named Manuel Quiles, and, and I would always go to Manuel's house, and we had a great time. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, and we'd go over on Sunday afternoons a lot, and his mom would make Puerto Rican food, and it was wonderful, right? So there's always a good reason to go to uh, Manuel's house. So one weekend, we were going to spend the night on Saturday, get up, go to church on, on Sunday, and, uh, or rather Friday, and, and, and then go home on Saturday. And, and that night, we, he was like, hey, he told me on Wednesday night at church, we had midweek service, and he said at church, hey, bring your lighter, because not, we didn't smoke, but we'd light things on fire, right? And so we were little pyros, and, and so I was like, you got it. 
And so then we go, and, and we're just being silly, doing stupid things. And so we go, and we're riding bikes, and we go over to this place, and, and uh, we decided to try lighting certain little things on fire and see what would catch, what would burn. And, uh, and we ended up catching some grass on fire, and it almost got out of control. It's a true story. Almost got out of control, and we got it put out before anybody was the wiser. But it was a large patch of grass in the middle of July that we, yeah, y'all know how it goes in Texas. <laughs> It's so it, I would say that the area in the end was about the size of the front down here in this, at this park. And we got it put out and we got out of there and nobody ever knew. So that evening, because we had dodged a bullet, we thought we were invincible and we could get away with it for the rest of the night, right? So we go to, we go to CeCe's. I remember all this. It's so funny. When, when you get in trouble, you remember every detail about the day, right? And so we go to CeCe's for dinner and, and then we come back that night and his brother's like, hey, I've got some firecrackers. I'm like, awesome. This would be great. Like harmless, right? Well, they would never light. They would never light. And so we were trying to do other things. So we're walking back to his house that evening and there is a new construction behind us. And before your minds go crazy, we did not burn a new house down. So just, uh, just care. Before, we'll just, so my friend Manuel is trying to light this little piece of dead grass next to a new house. And all of a sudden, this guy from down the alley sees us and he goes, hey, what are you boys doing? And we're like, Manuel's brother, who was a little older than us, decided he wasn't going back to the house. He was going to run the other direction. Should have followed him. Manuel and I run back into his parents' house. <laughs> the guy comes knocking on the door. Manuel's dad is named Jose. Jose was a police officer with the Plano uh, Police Department for many, many years. And the dude is jacked. Like, he is just intimidating. And so he brings me down, and I kid you not, I'm sitting at the kitchen table in their kitchen, and it just has one light bulb hanging over the table. I'm not making this up. Like, this is, I was in a complete interrogation, and, and, he was, and he asked me this question, do you want me to call your parents now, or do you want to wait, and I take you to your house in the morning and tell your dad at the door? And I was like, Ugh. I'll take the morning. <laughs> I'll just draw this out as long as I can, right? Like, I just don't want to, don't endure it now. And uh, that was the scariest ride of my life. I'm really glad he didn't come home in a police car, right? And it was just his normal vehicle. And, it was, and I ride home, and, uh, and he comes to the door. And my dad's like, hey. And I was like, hi. And I walked straight in, right? And, uh, and he goes, can I talk to you? And he was like, oh. So he go out, and he tells my dad everything that had happened and all this kind of stuff. So my dad was always really creative with discipline, really creative. Uh, there was several different options. I've been grounded from every different thing you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, I, I did get spanked as a child, and I still love my parents. Just to throw that out there. Um, and then um, this one was unusual. This one was abnormal. My dad decided to make this a spiritual lesson as well. And he said, I want you to find every passage where God either punished by the use of fire or punished for playing with fire. And I want you to write out all of the scriptures and find every verse in the Bible where, and I was like, oh, so then it became like the spiritual mental like struggle. Now at the end of it, I was really pleased that that was my punishment because my friend Manuel got grounded for five weeks and I was like, it took me two hours. I was done. It was great. But I found, and I remember walking through that going, I, you know, it's that, that nervous feeling where the back of your head starts to tingle and you start to sweat and you're just nervous out of your mind. And I go, man, it would have been really good if we would have just never have done this in the first place. Right. 
that feeling of disobedience and that struggle, and then having to do the work to pay for my sin, so to speak, right? My disobedience in that moment. And, and this, it, it helps me to understand and illustrate this moment where, where Samuel's saying, listen, obedience is greater than sacrifice. The need to make the sacrifice uh, is, is, is only, you know, that it would be better if you were to have been obedient in the first place. Then it goes beyond that, though. Obedience then also goes to the fact that God will speak to us. God will lead us into things at times, and he's asking us to be obedient and to follow after what he's leading. There may be some of you in this room where you go, man, I really feel like God's been talking to me about starting this ministry or that ministry or jumping into this or stepping out in this and being a part of that or this or whatever. And you and I haven't pulled the trigger and God is saying, but I'm asking you to do this. And if you serve me and if you're leading your family to serve me and you're leading your house to serve me, I need you to step out in obedience. In obedience. One of the, the phrases that I love is the idea of immediate obedience. Uh, I, I, there's a book by, by a guy named Rob Ketterling, and he says, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. He's saying it's that immediate response. Yeah, as, a, as a servant under a master, right? And we say we serve God, he is our master. Our response should be whatever you need. Yes, sir, right away, I'm jumping on it. I'm getting it done, right? And it's that response and that reaction to, I'm going to serve you fully, and in our homes, it needs to be demonstrated in the same way. It needs to be demonstrated in our homes and lived out in our homes so that our children grasp it and see it. One of the things that I've always thought of and, and had in my mind is that we are one generation away from losing the faith if we don't do our responsibility and our job to pass it on to the next generation. It's vital, it's crucial, it's necessary. And so God has called us to obedience. He's called us as we serve him, he's saying, be obedient. Be obedient to my word. God has given us his word. He has given us a, a so to speak, a, a, a manual on how to live and how to, how to love others and how to care for others and how to, how to walk in righteousness and how to, to strive for holiness. You know, he, he said, I've given you my word. I've shown you how to do these things. And he said, I'm asking you to be obedient to my word. Be obedient to my word. And then he says, be obedient to my leading. When I nudge you, when I call you, when I push you, and I say, hey, go do this, step out in obedience. Step out in obedience. Step out in obedience. And the third thing is this. If we're going to serve the Lord, it means to worship God alone, to worship God alone. In this day and age, we're pulled in a million directions all the time, all the time. I'm actually uh, thankful and unthankful for the weather we've been having lately because it has caused for games to not have to be played in soccer, but then it causes for games to have to be made up later in soccer. And so, in fact, this weekend, we were supposed to have three soccer games for our oldest, for Stratton, and all of them were canceled because there's still standing water on the field, which means, man, that's three more games that now have to get made up, and we already have three games next weekend, and who knows what's going to happen with the weather because, well, it's the springtime in Dallas, and so odds are we're not playing next weekend which means we have 48 games to make up somewhere in the month of July, right? That's just how this adds up. They only play 10 games in a season, and somehow we're going to have, you know, 32 of them in one month. I don't know what's going to happen. But we're pulled in a million directions, right? There's always something going on. And if you have children playing sports, you know exactly how that is. You go, man, we've got baseball, we've got soccer, we've got this, we've got that, we've got all these different things happening. And, and then you go, plus I've got this job and I've got this going on, I've got work happening here, and then we've got this party happening, this person's getting married, this thing's happening. And it's just constant, right? We're pulled in a million directions. And it's easy then to allow other things to begin to fill in the gaps where we should be spending time with the Lord, where we should be placing God first. It's easy to go, okay, 
I've got to get up early just so I can play catch up for the day rather than to say, I'm going to get up early so I can just give God my first fruits in the morning. Right, and, and it's, this, it's this struggle and this, this, this balance that we cannot find because there are too many things happening and God is saying, I just want you to worship me alone. And we begin to place other things of, in, in a place of higher importance than our relationship with the Lord. And ultimately, my question, I, my, I ask this and I ask it for myself. Are there things that we are then showing our children are, are to be considered as more valuable than time with the Lord? Are there things that we're showing our children that we're saying, hey, it's okay if you miss church because this is more important. Are they receiving it that way? And I don't know that, and I'm not saying that they are, but, but that is a question that I ask myself. And I go, okay, if we allow this, are they gonna start to interpret it this way? Because what, what ultimately their example is what we have. All we can do is give them the example. All we can do is, is teach them and say things to them, but they're watching us and how we do things and it's crucial and it is vital and it is necessary for us to demonstrate what it means to serve God and to worship God alone. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Serve him only. Our culture has become really good at sprinkling God in. It's become really good at just sprinkling it in. And I think we all see it and we all feel it at times. And I think we're, at times we're all guilty of it where we go, uh, you, you know, I probably should have given God more here. I should have given God more there. And there are those that we would go, man, you're a rock star. You're killing it. You're phenomenal. I want to be like you, right? But as a whole, I think we're all guilty of it at times going, man, I should have given God more here. I should have given God more here. I should have given God more in this moment, in that moment, in this situation, in that situation. And ultimately, we look back and we go, okay, have we placed things over God? Have we given things a greater importance over God? Are we now essentially placing those things as the focus of our time and our worship? And God is saying, hey, worship me alone. Serve me only. Serve me only. And it's easy for us, it's easy for us to then begin to, to allow other things to find greater importance in our lives. When it comes to worshiping God, we must be single-minded. We must be single-minded. What do we, you know, I, I have these questions that I think all the time and I go, okay, am I showing my children how to worship the Lord? Am I showing my children what it means to live for the Lord? Am I showing my children what it means to serve God only and to worship him only? Yes, in, in, in Grace Kids, I will sing their praises all day long. They do a phenomenal job. They do an incredible job in there with our kids and they teach them how to worship and they teach them the word of God and they're learning scripture. Yes, those things are happening. They're taking place in there. But remember, we only have them a few hours a week. Are we teaching them at home to worship God alone? Or are we allowing other things to begin to take precedent in, in our lives so that ultimately they're conflicted in their understanding of what they're hearing compared to what they're seeing? I think when we worship God alone, it's, it, it's, it's, it's evident in the way we live. It's evident in the way we act, in the way we talk, in the way things are carried out at home. I know that there are times when, when you, you hear these stories of, 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 of homes that, that it was one way at church, it was another way once they got in the car. And, and that's the reality. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not sitting here trying to profile anybody or, or cast blame or anything. That, you know, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that that's a part of the reality of the world we live in. 
is that there are those who come on Sundays and then struggle to live it out from day to day. And my challenge is, is are you worshiping God alone? Are you living that out in front of your children? Are you living that out in your house? Are you living that out with your friends and with your family? Is, is it that, are you laying that foundation for moving forward that you say, okay, I'm going to live a life that says, I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord. I serve the Lord. We have to be single-minded. Single-minded in, in who we worship. Just remember, who you follow determines where you go. And if we get caught up in following and chasing the, the cultural norms and the status symbols and the things of this world and the things that, that, that ultimately uh, can push us and drive us for good things, right, and motivate us to do good things, but we can end up missing the end destination and the end goal. What is our goal? What do we want to see of our children do we want to see them living a life that is serving the Lord and, and, and going to heaven? Or do we hope to say that, okay, we gave them a well-rounded childhood and now they're succeeding in business and they're the greatest at this or the greatest at that, but ultimately we go, but I'm not sure about their faith. I would rather personally do all that I can to see my children know Jesus rather than to see them succeed in other things. I'm willing to let them live it. I'm just kidding. They're not going to live at home. I'm going to make sure they move out by their 25 at least. I bumped that from 20 to 25. You see that? They just gained five years in my house from the beginning of this message until now. Yeah. I love my boys, so it'll be all right. But my goal in the end is to see that I've pointed them to Jesus and that as a father, I've lived for them the life that exemplifies Christ, that shows what it means to serve the Lord, to live in the fear of God, to obey God, and to worship Him alone. My hope is that if you ask my children those things, that they'll be able to say, yes, my dad serves the Lord. They may not understand the terminology of fear the Lord, you know, all those kind of things, but my hope is that they understand that mom and dad love Jesus and that He's the number one priority. That's my goal. So that in the end, they see it. That in the end, they know it. And that they can reflect it and, and live it out. One crucial thought that, that we find from Joshua in this is that it's a choice. It's a choice. And that it's not just a accidental decision. right? He says, choose, choose today who you will serve. Choose today who you will serve. It's not a, man, I hope that possibly you stumble upon this and maybe in the end we all look like we love Jesus. No, 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 no. He said, choose today. So it is a choice. That's one of the great things about God is that we do have free will. He allows us to make our own choice. He allows us to make our, our own decisions in this. And Joshua saying to the people of Israel, and he's saying, listen, choose today who you will serve. He said, you can choose to serve those gods or those gods, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the God of Israel. We're going to serve Jehovah. We're going to serve Jesus. And that's the question today. Who will you serve? 
Will you make the choice to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve so that my children can follow, so that the next generation can see how we live, so that the next generation can begin to pick up on the things that we do, so that we reflect Jesus, so that we serve him fully, so that we walk in fear and reverence of the Lord, so that we understand and we walk in obedience to God. Is it, is it something that, that we can, can then pass on to them? Is it something that, that I am struggling with this microphone, and I am so sorry. It is killing me and it is driving me nuts hopefully now it doesn't move maybe but we have to choose to serve the lord this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed i want to ask you in your home who will you serve in your home who are you going to serve Have you lived in such a way in your house that, that it is easy to state that, that you walk in the fear of the Lord, that you respect God, you revere God? And so you say, you know what? I don't want things that, 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 that keep God away in my home. Or are you going to live in a way that says, I want to make this a place where the Holy Spirit is comfortable where the Holy Spirit feels relaxed and able to, to flow and to move because it's in those moments when the Holy Spirit is able to just rest and abide in your home that he can speak to you. And then you have the opportunity to step out and to walk in obedience. Are you choosing to be obedient to the Lord? Do you worship God alone? Do you worship him in such a way that says, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we want to worship you. We want to exalt you. We want to magnify you. We don't want other things to take the place of you. We don't want other things to take the place of you. This morning, it's your choice. In your home, who will you serve? For some of you, this may be a challenging thought. For some of you, this may be a challenging moment where you're saying, I have to make changes in my life. I have to make changes in our home. I have to do things differently. I have to live differently. I have to walk differently. I have to think. I have to act differently. My children need to see what it means to be a man of God, a woman of God. My children need to see what it means to live out my faith. Maybe this morning you go, oh, we don't have children. And here's the reality is that the children are still watching. Choose this day who you will serve. Who will you serve? And this is going beyond just the moment of, of salvation and the moment of, of repentance and, and choosing of Christ. But this is to say, okay, truly, truly in my life, I want to serve Jesus. Truly in my life, I want to live to serve the Lord in every aspect, in every way possible. I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we bring this to an end, I want to ask you, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Ryan, I want to lead my family better in this. I want to live a life that says we serve the Lord. My house serves the Lord. If that's you, 
on the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. Anybody to say, I want to be better at how we live. I want to be better at, at how we show our faith. I see the hand there. Anybody else this morning? I see another one. Anybody else this morning? Anybody? I see another. Anybody else? I see it. I see it. I see it. Yeah, I see it. I see it. I want to live a life that shows the fear of God, that shows reverence for the Lord. I want to live a life that shows obedience to what God leads us into and what he speaks. I want to live a life that says, I worship God alone. I don't place things above it. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else? Let me pray over you. Father, you saw the hands. You saw the hands that went up. God, I pray right now that you just begin to speak and work in hearts. God, that you just begin to give them a fresh revelation and a fresh uh, ideas and how to live, Lord. God, a, a fresh desire, a, a fresh longing for you. Got a heart that says, I, I want to show my children what it means to live out my faith, what it means to live this out. I want to be better to my husband, better to my wife in the way that I live. Lord, I want my household to reflect what it means to serve the Lord. Lord, I want my household to reflect what it means to serve the Lord. So God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just begin to do your work in their hearts. Begin to change lives. Begin to change, to change hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that your spirit work and move. Work and move, oh God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Before we wrap up today, before we end today, I want to invite Chris and Katie to come to the front. Invite Chris and Katie to come up. You can bring you can bring Claire. I want to pray over them um, as as they as they transition as they go. And, and here's my here's my encouragement to you. Feel free to come forward and lay your hands on them and pray over them with us. Uh, come on, right in the middle, right in the middle. You're in the hot seat. You know what I mean? Like this is it. This is wonderful. This is... What do we need to do? A counseling session right here. Totally kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Um, but let me challenge... Let me encourage you to come come forward and come pray over them. Um, I believe in the laying on of hands. Uh, and I believe that something special happens when we do so. You know, Paul Paul tells us, you know, lay, you know pray on them and, and lay your hands on them. So we're going to pray over them and we're going to ask God to anoint them, to lead them, to use them in, in an incredible way. God is leading them on a great journey and taking them places. So let's just ask God for his, his anointing in his hand. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for, for Chris. We thank you for Katie. Lord, we thank you for the whole Rickson family. Lord, we thank you that, that your hand is on them, that you are leading them and that you are guiding them and that you are directing their steps and you are leading, you are leading them down the path that you have called them to go. Father, as they've stepped out in faith, 
God, as they've stepped out in faith, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit just begin to work. God, begin to open the right doors, begin to open the, 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 the right way and the directions. Lord, I pray that there will be subtle leadings. And Father, I pray that their hearts will be open to hear and to receive. God, I pray that there will be discernment every step along the way. God, that there will be guidance every step along the way. Father, that, that they will feel closer to you now than they've ever felt as they lean on you, as they trust in you, as they, as they seek you in this, as they, as they say, Father, we've stepped out in faith. And Lord, we are believing, God, that you are opening the right doors and that you are making the right things happen. And so Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will begin to work in the name of Jesus, that you will begin to lead, that you'll begin to guide, that you will open the doors. Father, I pray blessing over them as they go. Father, I pray blessing over them. Father, that you pour out your spirit on them. Lord, that they will begin to feel the love of the people. Yes, and they'll feel your love in a greater way ever than they've ever known, Father. And I pray that you will, you will speak, God, through all of this. God, I pray for a deepening in the relationship with you, Lord, a deeper walk with you to come from this. Lord, that there is just a greater faith that is built up through this. Lord, that there is a greater understanding of who you are and what you're doing through them, Father. We pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you just be with them. Be with them. Be with them. Be with them. Lead them. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray that as they go, that they feel love from this church. God, as they go, that they feel love from these people. God, as they go, that they feel just a, a, a overwhelming sense of appreciation for all that they've done for us. For all that they've done for your kingdom here. God, I pray blessing over their children. God, I pray blessing over their children. God, that you pour out your spirit on them. Lord, you have called them and you have marked them for a purpose. Lord, you have given them their children for a reason. You have placed them in their home for a reason because you have called them to, to build them up, to become the, the, the women of God you have called them to be. God, you've, you've given them ropey to become the man of God you have called them to be. We pray blessing over them. We pray blessing over them, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit, God. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen, amen, amen. We love you guys. We love you guys. We love you guys. With that being said, we do have a reception in the lobby waiting for these guys and we would love for y'all to stop by and not rush out of here and take time hug them take time to tell them you love them and, 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 and to just let them know how much we appreciate all they've done amen amen let me pray over you father we pray that your spirit will rest on them god let your hand be on each and every one of us as we go that you lead us and you guide us father that we we press into you and we thank you for it we give you glory. We give you honor for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God. And we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.